Welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Today, we are going to talk about dealing with difficult people and difficult relationships. Now, you know, we all like to think that when you finally find that person, that one that you think is the one for a great relationship, that everything is just going to be perfect sailing. Now, you know, we all know that the fairy tale idea isn't true. You know, it, it just, it, it's not happily ever after for most people. There's going to be bumps in the road at some point. At, at least that's what I've always found. No matter how great you are together, there, there's going to be difficulties from time to time. There just are. Some relationships and some people, let's admit it, folks, are more difficult than others. And some are really, really difficult. <laughs> so those are the ones that we're going to talk about today. And in order to talk about that, I dug around and I said, you know, we need a really good expert that can help us really, really understand these difficult people. And so today I'm bringing in Dr. Roberta Shaler. Roberta, it's awesome to have you with me today. Thank you, Nikki. It's great to be here. You know, and she's known as, y'all are going to love this, the relationship help doctor. How about that? Is that not the person to have help us with this? <laughs> so, <laughs> I hope so. Get this. This this is her bio, and y'all are going to love it. She, she trademarked this, this name. I think y'all are going to, get, going to like too. It says she provides urgent and ongoing care for partners, exes, adult children, and coworkers of crazy-making, relentlessly difficult people she calls hijackles. I like that. She helps them to save their sanity and stop the crazy-making. Even the United States Marines called on her to help. Uh, now, that, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> She's a relationship expert, mediator, speaker, and author of 16 books. Dr. Shaler consults with clients worldwide through the magic of the Internet. And her website is www.forrelationshiphelp.com. I love, you know, I love when we find a, a website address that just says it, you know, that just says what we want to say. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> so, like I said, it's great to have you with me today, and I think we're going to share all kinds of information that's going to help people to work with, you know, the difficult people in their life. Because, you know, unfortunately, you can't just always just cut them out of your life, and sometimes you shouldn't. You know, I think we're going to talk about there's times when, when that's not the best thing to do. So I, I think we got a lot, of, a lot of interesting things we need to share with the audience today. you agree? Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what. One of the things I like to ask people in the very beginning is how in the world did they get into the relationship niche? Because this, this is not the easiest niche to, to work in. So how, how did you get into this? Well, it's an interesting progress. I was going to be a medical doctor, and just as I was on my way to medical school, I found out that I was also going to be a mother. 
And so I switched to psychology, and that's how I happened to have a doctorate in psychology. And I was always interested in conflict and how to help people manage or resolve conflict. So that was always a focus, and of course that led to relationships. So that's the marrying of the conflict and the relationships. Awesome. You know, I just we just talked about conflict last week. So, well, we talked about um, what to do and how to avoid giving up your power in relationships to other people, and then that kind of leads right into how to deal with conflict resolution because when you decide to take back your power, that kind of leads to conflict. (laughs) Well, that's true. And when we're dealing with hijackles, it's all about power. Right. See, how these two just kind of just lead right one into the other. I like when that happens. (laughs) Yes, it's it's a good thing because everything that you've spoken about will get reinforced by today. So that's great. Awesome. Like I said, I love when the shows kind of lead. And for the people that are tuning in today that didn't catch that, they can go to the website and listen to last week, and it all kind of works together. So beautiful. So, now, you know, things in relationships, like I said, we, we want to hope and we want to work on having a relationship go smoothly and, you know, having, having things go beautifully, and, and we, we work to keep the peace. We do. But sometimes things just kind of go sideways in a relationship, and sometimes there are going to be problems. And, you know, sometimes it's just annoying. Sometimes we just kind of get on each other's nerves, and we're humans. This, this is going to happen. It is. But other times the other person just go, drives us crazy. So when do, we know, when do we know the difference between those two? When, when do we know that we actually need to get help? Well, First of all, I would say if it's happening frequently, that's one thing that tells you you need to get help. And if it's been something that recurs, maybe even on a kind of rotating basis, maybe it shows up every two or three months, but you're having the same argument about the same things, then you better resolve it. The Gottman Institute in Seattle, which is a very fine research institute on relationships, they found that the average couple has a problem for six years before they go for help. Oh, wow. That's that's crazy because you just lost five and a half years of your life that could have been much happier. Wow. Well, you know, though, I mean, I I know couples that have have dealt with the same situation for years and years. Okay. So the answer to the question is sooner sooner rather than later. Uh, And if it's a recurring issue, absolutely. But it doesn't have to be like a definable issue. You may have a feeling that you are always being at fault or you are always the one on the wrong end of the stick or you're always the one who's being belittled a little bit or put down or at least not considered very often. And these things are also reasons to go and get help because that's a lack of equity in your relationship. Ooh, okay, lack of equity. Can you explain that? Well, there are three things that I talk about a lot that must be in a relationship for it to not build resentment and problems, and that is equality or equity, reciprocity, and mutuality. So you have to be, have equal consideration for one another, 
and you have to be willing to do things for one another. And then you have to want for the other what the other wants for themselves so that you can be an encourager and an empowerer. And if those things are not there, then things often go off the rails or at a minimum, they're very unsatisfying, at least to one person. And as we'll find out later, if you're with a hijackle, there's only one person that matters and that's the hijackle in the hijackle's mind. All right. Well, I'm I'm very much in favor of you know, e- equality in a relationship, very much, a, you know, mutual love and respect between the two partners and, and this sort of thing. I, there, there are so many, so many relationships that are just out of balance in so many ways, and it drives me crazy to see that kind of thing. Interesting. I like that. All right. Okay. Now, some people by nature are just difficult. You know, they're just difficult. And that's just them. <laughs> and, and, you know, some people are like, well, that's, that's just part of my charm is, is kind of like their comeback. But then some people are what we would call chronically difficult, okay? What's the difference between those two people? Well, I would call one momentarily difficult. So in certain situations at some times, we're all somebody's idea of a difficult person because of the interaction you know, maybe somebody's going through something and they get a little offhand or they say things that they regret or whatever. That's a difficult person and it's situational. But a chronically or relentlessly difficult person is a person that is always that way to you. And that, yeah, and that's the difference. And one thing as we get into this conversation about hijackles, Nikki, is that hijackles are the worst at home. Okay. So they're going to be relentlessly difficult to you when you're in relationship with them. Okay. So they may be fine or, or even charming to other people, but we'd want to watch for how they treat us personally. Exactly. And what will happen is that they put on a great show of charm and manipulation and seduction and exploitation out in the world. But because it comes with a veneer of aren't I wonderful and how do you like me so far and all, that they, they can do a great job in the workplace of actually, uh, well, they, they often are very bright, so they can do a good job. But they can also mask that behavior until they get into a position of power. And that's what they're after, is a position of power in the workplace. Um, or in any, any community organization, one of the places that you will find hijackles, and I find it so frequently, I have clients all over the world, and it seems to be a hotbed, is that they really prefer churches and particularly fundamentalist churches, because they can have some power, and then they can use the teachings to make other people feel guilty or wrong, and they can use that power as well. So then people are looking up to them as leaders, they've got the referent power, then they misuse it, and they look for supply. They look for people that they can bring closer to them and control. I was thinking that last night, and I'm like, I think it's just my background making me see that comparison, but you just confirmed it for me. <laughs> so. well, I, I call them 
them spiritual terrorists. Yes, you know? <laughs> so do I. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I, it's not because of any predilection about any of those organizations. I'm just speaking from my client base. Right. And so a person who's with a hijackal who happens to participate in a particular belief system like that, um, they will then be the kind of person who is prime hijackal bait because they want to please, they want to be compassionate, they want to be kind, they want to be patient, they want to be nourishing, they want to do all of those things which is exactly what the hijackal wants you to do so they can pick you right out because you are prime hijackal bait. You are going to do everything you can to please them and they can read you like a book. Wow, that, yeah. Okay, so it wasn't just my imagination seeing the correlation there. Okay, all right. Hmm. Not at all. all <laughs> and right. that's not to say they're not in all kinds of other places because, you know, hijackals, uh, we might as well talk about this because we've introduced it so often. Hijackals is a term I trademarked because we need, it, in my opinion, a non-clinical way to talk about these relentlessly difficult people. And a hijackal is a person who hijacks a relationship for their own purposes, and then they relentlessly scavenge that relationship for power and status and control. Right. That so was, that was actually my next question anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> okay, great. So, so when we're talking about people who are scavenging for power, status, and control, you're going to probably be interested in organizations or careers that have some promise of power, status, and control. So there are clinical terms for all these things, but the reason that I wanted to trademark a non-clinical term is that if you go to the Google goddess and you say, my partner is doing this, and the Google goddess spits out narcissist or sociopath or psychopath or whatever, and now you latch onto that and you say, oh, now I know what's wrong. My partner is a... Now, right. what's happened is you now have a blame mentality, and it's all about your partner being that, and you are not looking at the ways in which you need to develop to not put up with that. Yeah, you know, as you were describing all that, those are the terms that were coming to my mind. Because well, that's, those, that's true. You know, right, because yeah. those are all the ways that you describe all those kind of people. So, sure. Yeah. And we include others in that mix, like borderlines and, and avoidance and, you know, histrionics. Um, all of those all of those clinical terms, uh, a, a layperson doesn't need to know all of that. They need to know that hijackals, all of them, no matter which clinical term, all hijackals drink from the same pool of traits. Right. So it doesn't really matter um, to you as the partner, the ex, or the adult child, or co-worker of these chronically difficult people, which one it is. In fact, it's better if you don't. All you need to know is there are the traits, and now I have woken up, and I see those traits, and I say, no, I don't want that. So then I have to stop enabling and condoning them. 
And that's a huge journey. That's, you know, the bulk of my work, aside from my couple's work, the bulk of my work is helping people get the strength and the courage and the power to say, no, I will not be treated that way. And yes, I see clearly that I have been making excuses, justifications, and rationalizations for their behavior for a very long time. Right. Well, and, and I, I know plenty of people and have been around plenty of people throughout my life and have seen their spouses and their family members make excuses for it for years and years and years and years. And, you know, and that's not helping anybody. It's not helping anybody involved in the situation at all. No, it isn't. But what it is doing, and which is sad, is that if you see it happening in your relationship and you don't stop condoning or enabling it, your children are watching that model of how a relationship goes, what it means to be a man and woman in relationship and how to do that even before they have language. So you're teaching them that. Right, right. Well, and I've seen multi-generations that it happened. Because, exactly. Well, and I, and I saw in one situation, I saw the son see it from his father, and he decided that's, that was the way he should be. But then I saw the daughter see it happen, and she's like, no. <laughs> you know, so you know. But yeah. here would be my here would be my question, Nikki. Did the daughter then go on to be in relationship with one? No. That's no. great. That's great. So she stopped the cycle because what happens is, although there's gray area in between, of course, but what happens is when you're raised by a hijackal, you inherently, because, as I said, you saw this well before you had language and it's been imprinted on you and impacted you greatly, you're either going to try and emulate at one end of the spectrum this behavior so that the person will like you if you're like them, or if that doesn't work and you can't ever please them, then you will turn yourself into hijackal bait. I've had clients who have been married to three hijackals before they woke up. Right, right. Yeah, I've I've seen it too, too many times, and and make many many excuses for them too. So that's the trend. You see, if, if I don't believe that I I deserve to be treated well or spoken to well or spoken of well, if intrinsically I don't believe that, because particularly if I've been raised with a hijackal at home, I don't believe that. And so I don't expect better treatment. So when it starts, right. it, when it shows up, it seems very familiar. Right. And so there's that imprint and impact is there. And then you have to wake up and do the work. And if you don't, you're going to carry on and attract another one. <laughs> well, that's that's something that's come up on a number of shows in the last, easily the last six weeks, is that, you know, it's, it's something that the person gravitates to because it's it's their familiar. It's it's their normal. You know, they don't mm-hmm. realize that it's unhealthy or or not something they should do because it's it's what they've grown up around. And the thing is if if that's what you've grown up around and you haven't learned any different, that's your normal. You know, that's what that's what you know. That's that's what your parents did, that's what your father did, that's what your mother did. That's that's what a relationship is as far as you know. You know, and if you didn't learn any different, why would you do anything any different? Precisely. And 
and it particularly you learn it in a family because right. you've learned it since birth so you just are learning this is what family is this is what right. relationship is and sometimes you go to school and you figure out you know, I've been to other people's houses and they don't behave like this and maybe you wake up a little bit and say you know I'd rather stay at my friend's house than at my house for instance right but it's it's very difficult and the other part to tie the two things we've spoken about together, if you're in a relationship with a hijackal and you go out and try to tell somebody in the community or someone that they, they is not in the family about it, or even sometimes family members who really like them because they put on a good show for the whole family. Oh, yeah. When you, when you tell them that you're being abused in this way, and that's what it is, uh, they say, oh, you've got, no, you've got that wrong. He or she is wonderful. Right. And so you, you get re-wounded because you're being re-wounded. You're being wounded by the hijackal, re-wounded by the hijackal's press. Right. Well, and, and that was another thing I was going to say, too, is if, if you do try to break the cycle and get outside of what the family norm is, the family does fight you on it. I mean, they oh, fight yes. you because you're, you're, you're basically turning your back on what the family's doing, and they take that as an affront because it's like you, you think you're better than us kind of thing. And exactly. trust me, <laughs> trust me, I can tell you from personal experience that's what they do. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that, that can get ugly. But the thing is, you, you've got to... You've got to get to the point where you're, you realize that your health is more important, and you, you've got to look out for yourself. It, it's, it, can get, it can get bad. It can get ugly because, like I said, the family, the family can be supportive, and sometimes you have to look for somebody within the family that will be supportive of you, and it may not be immediate family members. It may be somebody else. Well, it, yeah. it's highly likely to be someone further out of the family. Right yeah, on the edges of the family, or a friend who will who will believe you. But I know so many of my clients have come and they say, "I have been to professionals with my partner at least two or three times, and every time the professional and my partner ganged up on me." Right. Now, the hijackal will go into a situation like that, counseling or therapy or whatever, and their, their only focus is on seducing the professional. Right. right. So I don't mean that in a sexual way. I mean that come, to get the professional on their side right. to see that the other person is wrong, terrible, weak, whatever it is their complaint is, and then the partner is rewounded and rewounded and they went for help and they got help right well and they're controlling the situation again exactly yeah. exactly and they're very capable of doing it too so oh yes <laughs> very accomplished well now we're we're going to go into a lot of the details of what's in your free ebook but you want to tell the listeners how they can get a copy of the free ebook very, it's very simple. You can get my free ebook, How to Spot a Hijackle, at, wait for it, hijackles.com. And that's H I J A C K A L S.com. That's right. And I, I looked it over last night 
and I will quickly, I'm going to look it over again in more detail, but um, it's very enlightening information. Like I said, it, I'm just looking through it and going, yep, 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 I agree, yep, seen that, yes, exactly. <laughs> so lots of good information. Like I said, we're going to cover a lot of it in the show, and I am going to archive the show just like I always do, so you'll be able to listen to it again. But but definitely go and um, and download a copy. And And also, I mean, even if you don't think it applies to you, if you've got friends, make sure they get a copy. If you've got a friend that that they should take a look at it also, because it's great information, and I I know plenty of people this applies to that they need to take a look, and they will. And I would say also too, if you have friends who are dating, they need to see the book. Yes. Because when you are in that hormone haze of dating, you have your rose-colored glasses on. And it's really hard to see red flags through rose-colored glasses. Exactly. So you need to know, red. know this beforehand by reading the book so that you can go, oh, I know what that is. I'm not having any of that. Yeah, it's, it's a whole lot easier if you spot it ahead of time and, and get yourself out before you, you get crazy about the person. It really does. So what's the, if, if a person starts to notice the signs, okay, if they start to notice the signs and they're like, wait a minute, wait a second, maybe this person's a hijackal, what's the first thing the person needs to do? Well, after reading the ebook and they're sure, they not, it's not a maybe anymore, they go just like you did, mm-hmm, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Once you know that, then you don't do anything about the other person. You work on yourself. I like it. All right. (laughs) Because once you've opened your eyes to it, you know that what you're doing isn't working for you. It may be working really well for the hijackal, but it is not working for you. So you need to get some help to know how to think differently, change your behavior, change your responses, clarify, set, maintain, reinforce your boundaries. And you need, unless you're being physically or sexually abused, I always invite people to stay in the relationship and strengthen themselves first. Because if you get out of a relationship like this um, and you don't have any strength and you don't have any skills, it takes so much more from you to, to swim once you're outside this. But if you get the skills and the mindsets and the insights that you need and you've tried them and you've tried the strategies and you, they've become part of you, then when you make the move, you feel much stronger about that. It's not just emotional, I can't stand this anymore. It's I have no desire to put up with any part of anybody treating me like this for the rest of my life, which is a much stronger place, Nikki, than saying, I hate this, I'm going to get out of it. Right. Right. So the the first step is to recognize it and then say, all right, what do I need to do to strengthen and empower myself so that I can have the skills and strategies and insights to live my values? Because no one that, well, I shouldn't say no one. There are people, they're not well, but there are people who who don't have a value of self. Right. That, you know, I should have well-being or I should be treated well or I deserve to have a good life. I mean, those are underlying 
principles and some of them are values. And you want to live from your values. And when you're in relationship with a hijackal, they've done the best they can to have you live to their values. And you may have lost yourself very, very far down the rabbit hole by the time you realize you're with a hijackal because you've been doing your best to, if only I were more patient, if only I were more kind, if only I didn't expect so much, you know, if only I nourished and nurtured the relationship more. You could stand on your head and spit wooden nickels for five years and nothing is going to change until you change. Right. Exactly. Well, and how many times do you talk to somebody and they're like, you know, I, I haven't felt like me in a long time. And the thing is, if you track it back, it's very likely since they've been with that person. Right. Yes. And... You know, if they if they come from a family of where there's hijackal influence, then breaking through that mold, they don't even know who me is. Right. But they know what they want to move away from, and that's the moment of breakthrough. Like this is not what I want. So I may not know what I want, but this is not what I want. Right. Okay. So you kind of touched on that this, but let's let's kind of delve into this a little bit deeper. So does a person always have to leave a hijackal? So is it a good idea? Is it, is it always necessary? Uh, no blanket answer to that, so I will <laughs> say these things about it. Um, sometimes people only have hijackal behavior when they're under severe stress. So there are modifying influences here. If you're with a full-blown hijackal who is usually that way, then you're, you then have to have another consideration. Are there children or are they not? Is there physical or sexual violence or not? So if this person is only occasionally like that, then you can set a boundary that when they're like that, they either have to go away or you go away or you're just not going to tolerate that behavior. But the rest of the time, it's quite okay. So there's the answer. Maybe maybe you don't have you don't want to end the relationship. However, most hijackals become very dominant in their behaviors in relationships. So, first of all, you do your own work so that you're you can make a good decision and feel strong about your decision and know that you can survive on the other side of the relationship. And then the question of children comes in. And with my clients, Nikki, I'm. I, we always have to talk about this uh, regarding the age of the children and that there are children because of this fact. There's a very fine line that a person has to decide. If I leave this person, so this person's influence is not on my children every day, there's that side of the equation. However, hijackals do really well in court because they manipulate and seduce the court. Right. So they're going to have 50% or more custody. And so where that fine line comes is, all right, right now, I can, when I'm with the hijackal, I can hear and see everything that happens and I can do something about it. You know, I can talk to the children. I can help the children understand. I can, I can remedy the hurts to the degree that I'm capable But if I leave the relationship, 
which may be the wise thing to do in any case, but it is the individual's consideration and it's why they need help, is because when I leave them and they get custody, there is going to be probably 50% of the time when I don't know what was said or done. Exactly. So depending on the ages of the children, we have to do a lot of talking about the best thing to do there because the balance is, the hijackal is modeling behavior for the children and and towards the children. And the other side is if it's unmitigated because nobody's hearing or seeing it that and parental alienation takes place, kind of set yourself up for that. And that happens a lot. Right. So it's a big consideration. And that's why you need help. When you're with a hijackal, you need to go to somebody who understands hijackals. And you know, of course, that's my term for it. But you need to go to somebody, and you always need to interview people. Like I see all my clients by internet videos, so they're all over. But if you're going to somebody local, interview a few people and say, I know that I'm with a person who behaves like this, and it doesn't show and he or she can put on an amazing show for you. Do you have the background? to recognize that without question because I don't want to come into this relationship in feeling ending up feeling worse than I do right now because it wasn't seen right and that's it you know that takes a lot of strength to go to a, a person and say you know are is this your area of expertise can you can you see this because if you don't do that first, the hijackal will do it. And many times they'll go to the therapist or the counselor or coach or whomever, and they'll go to see them on the side before the first appointment. Just thought I'd drop in and get to know you. You know, right. real, really friendly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and what they're trying to do is to manipulate the bias, you know. Exactly. Yes. Well, you know, and they, they're very good at that kind of thing. So well, they specialize in it, yes. That's it. I, you know, I, I've, I've seen them seen at work. <laughs> it's, it's something to behold. Well, it is, and it's when, when you're in a situation and you know the person and you've seen both sides of them, you've seen them in public and you've seen them in private, it, it's astounding to watch the difference in the person you know, and to see just how polar opposite they can be, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, to, to see both sides and just how different. I mean, the whole Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. I mean, you know, if if I hadn't seen a person do that kind of thing, the concept of Jekyll and Hyde would have really floored me. But, I mean, when you've seen somebody do that kind of thing, it, it's, wow. But like mm-hmm. I said, and, and sometimes what you do is you feel it, and then you second-guess yourself. Like, you know, having ever been with a person that not, not necessarily romantically involved, but just having a conversation with somebody, and they're telling you something, and they're kind of getting into it, and there's emotional content, and you say, oh, yes, I felt like that. I really agree with you. And they turn on a dime, and they say, Oh well, that's interesting. I don't think that I actually believe that. <laughs> and they they leave you there, cut off at the knees, bleeding, and you're you're going. What happened? 
You know? <laughs> That's Wait a minute. Behavior. <laughs> yeah. So, so it could be as something as simple as that. And then if you've been trained by them, you will think, oh, I must have misunderstood. And you won't really recognize that it's just been done to you. It's, it's amazing that the head games people can play. Sure. Well, I come from a very, very good background for being an expert in hijackals. My father's entire family was a lair of hijackals. My father was an extreme passive aggressive. And my mother, bless her heart, was a full-blown hijackal. And why I say bless her heart is because apparently before, um, before I was two years old and before she had what they called at that time a nervous breakdown, uh, apparently she was a wonderful, fun-loving, easygoing, wonderful woman. But when she had a lot of electroshock therapy, um, she emerged from that different and she was a full-blown hijackal. Really? After the electroshock? Uh-huh. Yeah, sometimes that happens. You know, I have a friend who, who did everything right. Uh, before he married his wife, they went to the Gottman Institute. They took all the courses. You know, he's really bright, and he really wanted a wonderful relationship. And so they got married, and they had a baby, and it was all great until the birth and she had a very traumatic birth and when she emerged after the birth and things settled down full-blown borderline Hmm. just completely done a huge trauma can change you right right and and so you know it's not it's not we're not blaming hijackals we're just simply saying here's what here's what the traits are Right. And if you don't care for those traits, don't be with those people. Right. <laughs> it's well, yeah, a pretty simple, simple equation. And, and like I said, I, I, it, was, it was about 3 a.m. when I was reading the e-book, so I, I, didn't, I know that there are parts I missed. I'm going to go back and, and finish reading it. But one of the things that, that was interesting that I picked up, and, and I'm definitely going to go back and read this section, was they're not doing it intentionally. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> you <know? laughs> I'm like... But, you know, I think they're really enjoying this. <laughs> well, what I mean by not intentionally, unless they happen, I mean, there are some extreme hijackals who are just simply figuring out how to have power over everybody. But when I say they're not doing it intentionally, this is all they know to do. They don't know another way. Right. This is what they learn to do in order to survive growing up. And so it was either modeled for them or that they were, you know, their take on it was that this is what you have to do to be liked or survive. Their fear level is off the charts. They're always fearful. That's why they're hypervigilant. That's why nothing can be their fault. They take responsibility and accountability for nothing. Right. It is always your fault. Yeah, I'm, I'm real familiar with that concept with with the ones that I'm that I'm the closest to. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I was fortunate enough 
in this whole thing, tongue-in-cheek, she says, fortunate, because I was an only child. So I had it coming at me from both sides. And here's an example from my hijackal mom. At least once a week, if not ten times a week, she would say to me, well, it's a good thing you're smart, young lady, because you're fat and ugly. (laughs) And, you know, hijackals are immensely and intensely competitive. Yeah. And because I had I had training and I had talent and I had options that she didn't have, then the competition was on. So she was going to do whatever she could to tear me down so that she felt there was some power for her in the relationship. And, you know, I remember the day, you know, I, I always thought she, that both my parents had really big problems. I was a very old soul, I think, and I, I would look at them and I'd say, you know, you guys are nuts, you know, and <laughs> listen to the way you talk to each other. But I remember the day when my mother, I think I was about 10, and my mother wanted to spank me, so she grabbed me by the arm. And this is not rocket science, Nikki. She wanted to grab me by one arm and hit me with the other, and I just kept walking in a circle. And she she just got so frustrated, she almost blew a gasket right there. But she never did it again because she realized she had no power in that circumstance. Right. I, I did that to my mom more than once. There <laughs> <So. laughs> she is. You learn, too, that that there, there is a way that you can take away the power. And, you know, one of my mom's favorite things, she'd come home and she was kind of gossipy. So she'd come home and she'd say, well, I really took the wind out of her sails. And I was about 15 and I heard that so much. And one day I just looked at my mother and I said, well, that's interesting. Have you ever considered taking your sail out of her wind? <laughs> and my, my mother just fell apart. Like she she was just bulging eyes and steam out of both ears. She just didn't know what to do. But, you know, that's the way it was at my house. And it was a a battle every single moment. Yep, I can relate way too well. (laughs) Way too well. Wish I couldn't, but I can. But but I figure, well, that's, that's why... I share so much of my background on the show because I figure there's there's so much. I have way too much material from my background to share that I hope bringing that much authenticity to, sh- to the show helps other people. You know, because I, mm-hmm. I want I want the listeners to know I didn't just read it in the book and I'm sharing it with them. I mean, I'm I'm bearing my soul a lot of times to the listeners in in the hopes that doing that is going to help them to be able to look at their life and and make changes because you know it. I know I know the difference in how how I felt before and how I feel now. It is God, it's worth it. It is so worth it, you know. Oh, it is, and I'm so glad that you stepped outside of that and you were able to, and you know you had the willingness and you had the ability and you did what you had to do to do that. I mean, so many people are so beaten down that they don't see a possibility. And a hijackal will always do their best to call you from the herd, to take you from your family, to take you from your friends. They will go and tell your friends or your family, you know, I'm seriously concerned about her. You know, she's, I think she's losing it. 
and they'll get them to collude with, with them against you, your very own family and friends. Oh, yeah. They still try. You know, you know what's, what's interesting is um, my dad got remarried a few years ago, and the woman that he married didn't, didn't talk to me at all, just at all. Well, actually, he, they, they never even, him, him and my brother never even mentioned that I existed. When, when I met her, I walked up and, and said, I'm, I'm, I'm his daughter. And she looked at me like, I mean, she gave me this like really stunned look. And she says, he has a daughter? <laughs> she had been dating him for several months. And I'm like, yeah, evidently, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm standing in front of you. I do exist. And, mm-hmm. and when they started having problems, I, I said, you know, I just, I just kind of have to say, say something. And she says, what's that? And I said, I, I'm really kind of floored that you didn't even bother to talk to me uh, about anything, seeing as how I would have a perspective on how he treats women since I'm his daughter. And, and I've known him for, oh, I don't know, you know, 48, 49 years at that point. And, and she, she looked at me kind of dumbfounded. And I said, seriously? You're, you're not seeing the correlation here? <laughs> you know? Wow. Uh, Maybe you deserve yeah. it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I understand that one, Nikki, because I, I was with a hijackal. And, of course, because I was hijackal bait, you know. And as I got to know him and I noticed all these things, it was later on in my life, and... Um, I was talking with his, I was friends with his daughter and his grandchildren and everything over time. And then one day I said to the, to the, his daughter, you know, there are these traits. And she said, oh, yes. And I said, well, why didn't you mention them? She said, well, we really like you and we want him to marry you. So I was, they weren't going to blow the whistle on him. And <laughs> Wow. How about that for enabling? You wow. Know? Yeah. yeah. I, no, I, mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm way too honest and blunt for that. I, I, I would have I told her the truth. I, I thought them getting married was a stupid idea. <laughs> so, uh, interesting. Are they, are they still married? They're married. <laughs> okay, we we were driving to the wedding. Okay, I I rode with him, and I was like, "Are you sure you don't want to turn and go the other way?" <laughs> so, I don't know. And and I had I had to actually give him a wedding ring so he wouldn't wear the one he had with mom. I'm like, "Hell no, you're not wearing this ring with this woman." No. So yeah, it was uh, it was it's interesting, and sadly the story goes on. Mm-hmm, I'm sure it does because it never ends with hijackals. It does not. So what what makes a person attractive to a hijackal? Oh, that the person who's attracted to a or what is attractive to a hijackal is a person who is needy, desperate, wanting to please, looking for love, uh, and willing to overlook certain things. They test you a little bit to find out if you catch things or you don't catch things. And what they're looking for is compliance. Oh, okay. So that you will do what they want you to do over time. So what they do is they love bomb you in the beginning so that you are so overwhelmed with, oh, my soulmate has arrived. I've waited so long 
this person is perfect. Well, they have an innate ability to get into your head and your heart and figure out what you want, and they do their very best to give it to you at the beginning as quickly as possible because they want you to move in, get married, or have a baby. And in either of any of those three options, they will have more power over you. So the faster they can do that, the sooner they can give up the pretense of being this charming, wonderful person. Okay, now now let let, let me ask you an important question. A hijackle can be a man or a woman, can they not? Absolutely. Okay. Just just thought maybe we should put that out there. (laughs) We absolutely should because that's why I just keep calling them hijackles because there's an equal number of men and women. They just come in different flavors. So... um, they, you know, there's certain women. Women tend to be one kind of hijackle more frequently, and men t- kind, tend to be the other kind. But they're still all hijackles, and there are just an equal number of them, whether they're male or female. What happens when two hijackles get together? Ah, it is a good question. One of two things happens. First of all, they're highly competitive. Have you ever watched House of Cards on Netflix? Oh, yeah. There's two hijackles. They're (laughs) going to outsmart each other, right? Right. Everything is measured. Everything is watched. Everything is nuanced. Everything is the long con. (laughs) So there's that. And then the other side is that they will absolutely devastate each other and one will go running because the competition is not working well for them. So either they, they collude together to really, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to put a bad spin on the term power couple, but that's how they see themselves. And if, if they, they get together and one has been seduced by the other, in a way that was not recognized, then we have horrible things happen. You know, there's a reason why we have a gun violence problem in domestic violence. One of the reasons is hijackles. I think we've just seen that in Las Vegas because, well, what limited information we have, and even though it seems like a lot of information now here several days later, it's not enough information about the shooter. And his father was a known psychopath and right. a criminal. Now, think what he saw, think what he experienced, think what was, went on in his mind. And then there are genetic markers for these things. So if there is a genetic marker, and one in 25 people have it, and there's trauma in the early life, then it will exacerbate. It will start to show up. And this you know, is a double life. I think what we're going to see is this man actually had a double life. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Behaving like his father on one level, emotionally, if not any other way. Power over is to get a whole lot of money and have, you know, win a whole lot of money. Gambling particularly would be a good way uh, because you have the thrill really quickly without doing something illegal. But then, you know, what else did he do? You know, we don't know what kind of private life he had. And I don't mean private with his partner. I mean life aside from his partner. Right. And so when 
it was just almost classic when the woman that he is with said to the car saleswoman, well, he got me out of a bad relationship and I'm eternally grateful to him. Right. Okay. So mm-hmm. she was hijackle bait. I, I cringe he, every time somebody says that. I mean, there there are times that works out very well, but there are other times when, it, wow. Well, sure, it, it works out well because some people are absolutely wonderful. And then it works because they're attracted to people in desperate straits and difficult situations because they know that they can have power over them because at that time their emotions are not are not working correctly. So, you know, to and, and there are there's evidence that's been cited that in casinos he would belittle her, he would degrade her, and she would just stand behind and say, Okay and be very submissive. Right. Perfect setup for a hijackal. And that's so true. this is latent. Maybe he didn't do these things, but he was known to have a terrible temper. His brother said he had a terrible temper. And his brother knows the background you see this is the thing that i was saying earlier you're raised in a family where there's a hijackal parent then you can go from either being a hijackal to being hijackal bait or you can rest in the middle some few people do they rest in the middle and go i'm not having any of that on either side <laughs> you know uh and i'm let me out of here i left home when i was 17 just let me out of here that's all i want <laughs> but <sighs> You know, now we're seeing an example of exactly what we've been talking about, this Nikki. Yeah, I left about two months after I graduated. I'm like, yeah, I saw an opening, I took it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so how do we stop this pattern? What What does it take for somebody to stop this if it's happening in their sure. life? Okay, so we've covered first recognize the pattern, then recognize you're in it, then strengthen yourself, do your own work, right, and then make a decision if you're going to stay and on what terms and what your boundaries are, most people will leave because they have to right. for their sanity, right? And then because you've done your own work before you left, you will be strengthened enough because they, what they do is they take over the finances. That's a very common thing for them to do. That's a power move. And right. so that's supposed to, you know, they'll slowly, they may have bought you something wonderful in the beginning, and I'll put your name on the house and everything. And then before you know it, your name is not on the house, your name is not on the car, your name is not on anything except debts, and they're managing the finances, and they're putting money aside. You know, one of the people that I've worked with for a couple of years, you know, we've been going to court for forever, it seems, and this hijackal I mean he is a supreme ultimate mega hijackal and I, I've worked with him because of course he tried to, to come in and make her wrong and you know that whole scenario I spoke about earlier so when I showed up in court on her behalf he was furious but he was sending money out of the country and then he'd go to court and he'd say well, I can't give her support. I don't have any money. Yet he just sent $80,000 or $100,000 out of the country. And fortunately, she found a lawyer who was willing to keep working on her behalf because she was living in her car. And I said, you know, if you can just hang in there, because she's very, very good at documentation, and I knew that it was going to come out if we could just hang in there. The good news is that now 
he's probably going to prison. He's been got on fraud and money laundering and perjury. <laughs> and here he's, he's not been able to have the win. Right. But this is, this, this is something, you know, I, I know that we don't have time to talk about all kinds of things that happen, but when you do leave a hijackal, you have to be prepared for, for court. And you need help for that too because you, there are ways that you must handle yourself when you go to court. And all these things take special handling. Yes, definitely. Yeah, well, that you know, preparing for court, there, there's so many things to get ready for court, and you just you've got to be ready. You've got to be prepared, and you you've got to you got to be ready for it. You do, and particularly ready because the hijackals will hire and fire attorneys until they get a hijackal attorney. That's my experience. Yeah. Well, you got to have the right one. You got you to snow them. You got to have the right one. <laughs> you know? And you have to have somebody who will absolutely bulldoze and talk over anybody and yell and scream and do whatever is required. And, um, you know, the court only has so much time. So it's a very difficult situation. And there's a lot of attorneys out there that can do that. Mm-hmm. There are. So how can listeners find out more about you and your work? Well, as you said earlier, they can get the free ebook, How to Spot a Hijackal, at hijackals.com. And after you give your name and email so that the, the book can be sent to you, another screen comes up where you can buy my book, Escaping the Hijackal Trap, which is really important to read. And then generally, you can go to my website, forrelationshiphelp.com, and subscribe to my blog and my newsletter so we'll stay in touch and then you can also go to YouTube at for relationship help that's my channel and I have many many videos up there I've had people who write to me and say I spent the weekend with you on YouTube <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to get the answers that they needed and so there, there are many ways to get that. And, of course, just put my name in iTunes and you'll get all of my podcasts. I have people do that. They're like, I spent the weekend listening to all your archives. You went with me on a trip to so-and-so. Exactly. Exactly. I had a woman a, weeks ago, a week, couple of weeks ago, she said, I just found your work and I need to talk to you because this man that I've I left. He wants me back, and I don't know that I should go. And I said, well, just make an appointment. We'll talk about it. So that was a Friday, and she made an appointment for the, for Monday. And on Monday morning, she called, and she said, I don't need the appointment anymore. I watched all your videos. I read all your books. I read all your blogs, and now I know the answer is no. I don't need any more help. <laughs> Well, you know what she did over the weekend. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So you don't need any help, and you got everything that you needed. Good start. That, that's so funny. Like I said, it's, it's an important topic, so I'm very glad that we could we could share the information with the listeners. So if you need to hear it again, and you may need to, just go to www.readyforloveradio.com slash hijackles. 
And in case you need to know how to spell that, it's H-I-J-A-C-K-A-L-S. And you'll find more information about Dr. Shaler, and you'll also find the links that she gave you, and I'll have a link too for you to download the free ebook. I love having gifts for the listeners, so this, that's very cool. I'll make sure that's easy to find. Listeners, I will see you next time on Ready for Love Radio.